Hello everybody, Clint Fosley here, your host of the Brocode.life podcast series and welcome to episode 16 entitled More Custody Time with Anthony Bompiano. Had a great chat with Anthony this morning all the way from the US all about um, his program called morecustodytime.com which is about helping one prepare for a custody battle. Now, the the shitty fought part and the unfortunate part of going through a divorce is is often the custody battle, which as as Anthony alluded, happens more often than we would like to. And Anthony's program is all about helping people prepare themselves for court to be in the right mindset. Now, for someone like myself who's been in family court, it is crazy, scary, and overwhelming. And Anthony's program is going to help you to prepare this. What I really loved about Anthony's content and his philosophy is all about the correct mindset, not only for the courtroom, but outside of life. So you can really get yourself prepared, get yourself ready, get yourself in that Zen space or that flow space that I always allude to. So that when you when you are faced with a judge, when you do produce evidence, it's all it's all sort of factual, it's all valid and it's all clear and concise rather than being a sort of a blubbering idiot where no one's gonna take your point seriously. Uh, once again, the Broco.life programs are growing here. So if you wanna work with us or wanna walk, work more closely with me, really would love you to have us in a program at the moment. It's the Recovering from Ground Riero and the Essential Eight, and there's some other exciting stuff coming later this year. So just for all the latest content and programs that we have, it's Broco.life forward slash help me. I wanna thank Anthony once again for coming on the podcast. It really was a great chat and wish him all the best um, for his future programs and that's all on morecustodytime.com and we will put all the links up in the show notes as always strap in enjoy and we'll see you on the other side cheers and welcome to the 16th edition of the Broker.life podcast series and today I have uh, all the way from Arizona Anthony Bompiani with me. Anthony welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on Clint I really appreciate it. So today's a bit of a I guess well for me specifically in a, an emotional topic and something Anthony deals with on the day to day is all about custody and custody time in custody battles I get, guess well, you know and dealing with trying to get access to your kids which um, for me personally I've been very fortunate enough I have more than enough time with my kids and I've never had to go through the journey, but yep. all the guys I deal with and all the people out there, I know it's a huge, huge issue. And, and that's what Anthony focuses on and uh, has a, a sort of a website and a program called more custody time, which we'll get to a bit later. Um, so Anthony, once again, welcome to the show. What we'll always try to do is just a little bit of backstory, a quick sort of, you know, sort of a helicopter view of your life. Um, where do yeah. you come up? What's your story? You know, what were you like as a kid? Just, just introduce yourself and, and how you ended up sort of as an attorney. Yeah, sure. So I, uh, I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, just uh, east of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I still live there for the most part. I am in uh, Arizona a lot, which I happen to be there right now. Um, and uh, I, I've always lived in that area. And then I went to uh, a high school, high school there. Uh, you know, I enjoy playing soccer. I guess for you guys, it's football, right? Well, yeah. South Africans so it's soccer here. It's I think here it's soccer as well. Soccer as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I always enjoyed doing that. I got into uh, martial arts too uh, as a kid, which I continue to do a little bit now. Um, and then which I went form to of martial arts. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
Yeah, as a as a child, I did uh, karate. Yeah, uh, and then uh, I started jujitsu. Uh, probably been about ten years now. Yeah, been about ten years. Um, so just to pause you there, are you are you a UFC fan? Oh yeah, yeah. UFC, boxing, like any yeah. any type of combat sports. Like I love love watching it, love doing it. Um, as I I've noticed that as I get, get as I get older each year, doing it becomes a little more <laughs> difficult. But um, I still I still do it. I still go at it. Um, and then I went to. Uh, it's interesting because I went to undergrad for psychology, which is what I've always been interested in, which I continue to be interested in, which, yeah. which is why I kind of do these the programs and the coaching that I do. Um, and I also think that it helped me in law school with, you know, relating to juries, relating to judges, negotiating all those sorts of things. Um, and then when I was at my undergrad, which is a, in a little small town called La Trobe, it's where the Pittsburgh Steelers actually, uh, train for their like preseason. Um, I got involved in uh, mock trial, uh, as a junior and then senior, which is basically yeah. like for college or law students, it's basically like going through a mock trial and you know putting on the presentation testifying as wit fake witnesses and everything and i got really good at it and i really enjoyed it so i went from wanting to eventually get my phd to going to law school yeah and um the funny thing is when i went to law school in pittsburgh as well duquesne and then the funny thing was uh was that when i was in law school towards the end of law school I, uh, I was telling my friends and my family at the time, I said, the only thing that I don't want to do is family law. <laughs> the only thing that I don't want to do. And then, um, what happened was when I got out of uh, law school, the, you know, I, I had a, uh, I had a, a, a newborn son. So I had to just do whatever I could do to put food on the table and pay the bills. So the job opening uh, that there was that I got offered was with the, the firm, in our local area that did the most family law of any firm in the, in that Southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, so I jumped right into doing it. Um, and I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed it. I also did some, uh, criminal defense work, which I really enjoyed cause it was with juries and working with juries and the, 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 uh, you know, um, the energy of the trial always excited me. I always enjoyed that. Um, so I did, I was doing those two things for a while. And then uh, as time went on in about, what was it, 2015, I, I ran for local judge, local magistrate judge, which is like minor court judge, small claims court, criminal cases, things like that. And I won. So I'm actually a minor court judge right now too, yeah. um, on top of all that. Um, and, and then um, once I do, did that, I couldn't do criminal defense anymore. So it had to be 100% family law, which today any case my caseload is kind of limited because i have this online stuff going on so much but any case that i take has to be uh divorce or custody related uh well then what happened was is i started like i i always enjoyed like i said the psychology part of it but then what happened was a, a few years ago i uh i went through my own divorce and that really opened my eyes to just how difficult it really is um, to go through it. Mine, I was lucky. Mine wasn't as nasty as most of them, mm -hmm. but, and it was my idea, uh, to do it, but you know, everybody listening and, and you too, I'm sure it, that none of that stuff matters because when you're going through it, it's still like the worst thing in the world. Um, it's just, 
horrendous. Like the, you know, you have your kids hoping that your kids are going to be all right, you know, hoping they don't think you don't love them, you know, hoping they still love you. Um, you know, what's the community going to think? What are, what's the, you know, if if you go to church, what's, what's the church going to think? What are all all those pressures? What are my friends going to do? What are they going to think? And it really made me appreciate for the first time what my clients go through, what they went through. Like I, I always did a good job for them and I always worked my ass off for them and, and, and all of that. But until it happened to me, it really opened my eyes to exactly what it is. And then what happened was I realized how lucky I was to have the professional experience and the background and the skill sets and, and the understanding of human behavior and everything to aid me in that process. So I wanted to start then trying to help more people around the nation, around the world who are going through that. And that's why I started doing the coaching and creating the programs uh, that I have. Um, and I actually, I, I, when I was getting divorced, I, I did my own legal side of it, but I actually worked with a divorce coach myself too. And, uh, it was like, it was the, the best decision I ever made. Cause it really, even though I already know all of like knew a lot of the stuff when you're, when you're trapped in your head, you can't yeah. do anything with any of it. Uh, so it really benefited me. And then that's why I really, um, enjoy what I do now on the, in the online space and, and with that brand with more custody time and, and things like that. So that's kind of a little bit, a bit about me and my history and my background and, and where I came from and why I, why I'm doing what I do. Yeah. So just, just to try and understand from a, you know, for the global audience that are not American based, but I'm assuming even the American audience, because all my mates here in Australia, like no one actually gets how divorce works, you know, from a yeah. financial separation or any, you know, it's, 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 you know, we're, we're sort of in this part of the world, there's sort of three parts of it, right? There's your asset pool that you split, um, however, however, you know, generally 50, 50 in certain situations, if, yep. if there's a higher income potential, then that's 70, 30, which was yep. my position. There's, uh, alimony, which is very, very rare in Australia as it turns out. Um, that's okay. to help the other person get back on their feet. Yep. And then the other portion financially is the child support perspective, which is based on your earnings um, and then obviously the custody time you have with the children, which is all based off your tax records. So okay. that's how it works here. From an American perspective, how, how does the process work of getting divorced, you know, from an asset as well as maintenance and then as well as child support? Is it pretty similar or, or, or what's the general? I know it's complicated, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh, similar. The way that I always explain it to clients is with divorce alone, there are always two major sides of a divorce from a legal aspect. There's the actual divorce, like the dissolution of the marriage, the dissolution of the bonds of matrimony, the legal divorce end of it. And then there is the economic side of it. So it would be the assets and dividing up the assets and liabilities, the marital estate, like you referenced alimony. Uh, anything like that. And then the custody and child support and everything is kind of an, a, a different animal uh, because with, with regard to that, and it's probably the same way in Australia too. Um, you know, you can, you can be file you could file for divorce and include account for custody, but if you were never divorced and you just have kids with somebody, you can also just go straight mm-hmm. to the custody. Um, but it's like your reference, it's pretty similar with when you're determining child support, you look at the, the earnings uh, or earning potential of the parties. 
Um, you look at how much time each party has with the children because that once they get to a certain point, uh, then, then, you know, it starts to balance out a little bit more. Uh, when it gets to 50-50, depending on how the incomes are, it usually yeah. balances out as well. Um, so, th- yeah, that's really it. So it seems like it's, it's pretty, pretty darn similar. similar. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And this is a question I'm scared to ask, but I need to ask it anyway. Yeah. But in, based on your experience, the amount of people that get divorced and actually end up in a custody battle where they're fighting yeah. for their kids, how, I mean, you know, for me, it's just the Hollywood movies, right? How realistic is it in, in – in sort of, I guess, in, in your states that yeah. people end up in battles. For, because my, once again, my opinion, people always try to put the, get the kids involved and use them as the pawn, which is the worst thing, but it just happens when emotions run high. Yep. What's your experience yep. of that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, unfortunately, it's definitely a high percentage. Yeah. Um, most of my cases that I personally file or my, my coaching clients that I have, I know that if they have kids and they're going through a divorce, usually there is an element of, of a, a custody battle or dispute or whatever uh, involved. And, and I think you're right. I mean, what, what happens is with the, with the kids, um, you know, the way I always try to explain it is why these situations are so difficult is because you're dealing with such a almost like almost like business like issues like when you're deal if if I can kind of elaborate if um if you're looking at like division of property division of liabilities who's going to pay what um even and it sounds it sounds bad but it's true even like time your time with your children like all of those decisions that you're making you'd be best served to take the emotion out of it right? To, to do it, to, to actually do it and look at it for what it really is, yeah. you would be best served to take your emotions out of it. But unfortunately, what happens is, is I always tell people, you have two of the most emotional things in, in the history of earth, your ex lover or spouse or whoever, and your kids. And those, those things invoke more emotion in anyone like that there is. And to sit there and for me to try to tell people, you know, to separate your emotion, it's very, very difficult, but it's possible. Mm. You know, it's, it's very possible to do it. You just kind of have to train your, your, your mind, your mindset and your communication style. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a high percentage of those cases do end up with some sort of a custody battle. And unfortunately, sometimes it's, surround, it's, it's caused by uh, child support, too. You know, if so, especially when you have the 50, if you get close to 50, 50, it's lower or, or uh, completely eliminated. Sometimes you have people using, using the kids as pawns for that reason and that reason only, yeah. you know? So from a, from the financial separation perspective, does that generally get settled outside of court? Um, if people come to a mutual agreement or does that have to go to court? In, uh, in the States, it does not have to go to court if you yeah. settle. So if you would, uh, like my ex-wife and I, we didn't go to court for anything. Um, we hashed it out. Um, sometimes it got pretty heated, you know, but we worked through it and hashed it out. Um, and so you don't have to. Uh, but if you can't work it out, then yes, there is a procedure that you would have to follow to go into court, not only for alimony, but for the division of property, the division of the assets and the liabilities, all of the, the marital estate. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, people make bad decisions because of that high emotion. 
you know. And what I can never understand is when, especially when, when people are getting money hungry, the more time you invest in court, the less money you have to split at the end of the day anyway. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I, absolutely. I always tell people like my, my uh, attorney, my clients, I always tell them like the only one that's going to win in any of this is me. You know, like it, it, I'm just being honest with them. So they have to know, they have to know that straight up. Like, look, you're going to be paying me X amount of dollars to do this for you. You know, you might, it might be better served just to take a little bit more of a hit, get it over with. And then, and then it's not only the money that you're paying in legal fees, but it's the time, it's the time away from your job. It's the peace of mind. I mean, that's worth, that's worth so much, you know? Um, so it is, it's a, it's a difficult situation, man. It really, it really is. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a very positive chi, positive energy person. And just that, that toxicity, when you're going through that stuff, it's just, yep. I mean, you're in that set of trauma and, and nothing, you, you just don't think clearly and nothing, you know, nothing in your life is going to be good. You're just going to, you're going to yep. attract more of the bad towards you if you stay in it that is. state. Yeah, it is. And then you throw in things like social media and, you know, then it's like your you, you, your 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 embarrassment. For let's just say your embarrassment from the divorce turns yeah. into like a guilt. Then it turns into like a, a fear of judgment from others. You know what I mean? You just it's like when you first get started in the process, you don't know where the hell to turn, uh, and it gets it gets pretty dicey. You know, it's uh, it's one hell of a ride, that's for sure. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the so the, this, this shifting on obviously to the online concept and trying to help people. Now, I've, yeah. I I I speak for a living, so I'm a very comfortable speaker. I've ended up in family court once, yeah. and I was a nervous, gibbering idiot. I couldn't, be, I actually couldn't believe it. Yep. Um, I heard my voice break yep. personally because um, of emotion. Was it was something to do obviously with my kids, right? I wanted to keep them safe. Yep. And that took me back because for me, who can speak in front of thousands of people and not have any problem when yep. you're sitting in this tiny courtroom and the consequences are so huge. Yep. Um, it broke me, you yep. know, and I didn't represent, yep. I self represented and I didn't represent myself as well as I should have. Okay. Um, the whole concept of more custody time, what I understand it is to prepare a man on the street, a woman on the streets for that scenario so that they don't get, yes, hit on the back foot. Is that a correct understanding? Yes. Uh, it's a correct understanding. It's also at, it's the, the way that it is more custody time.com. It's, it's not only geared toward your actual hours of getting more custody time yeah. with your children, but it's getting more quality time as well. And by saying that, I mean, so, um, once people go through my program, they have the, the goal is for them to have not only at more time, but more peace of mind. Um, so that they can be present with their time, um, yeah. not not worrying about what's going on, not, not worrying about what a what an ass or or what a bitch your ex is being, um, you know, not worrying constantly worrying about all that stuff, um, not worrying about the next court hearing, not um, you know, uh, sitting and stewing and 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 stewing over what she just did to you last week or anything like that. It coaches people to how to deal with not only the, the courtroom end of things, but also the with the mindset and controlling yourself and the, uh, human, learning human behavior, uh, which is so, you know, so important, uh, to do. So it's, it's those different aspects. It's not just the hour, the actual hours, but it's the being able to be present, the quality time, yeah. uh, the less of a toxic environment, uh, for them, um, things like that. So, I mean, that's, that's what it's geared towards. 
that's powerful because I know a lot of guys I deal with and actually a good friend of mine's boyfriend is always in living in constant fear of that next legal letter. Yeah. And, yeah. and it affects their relationship, even though, you know, it's, it's just with the yeah. next wife and kids. It's, it's something yeah. that I know. And, and, you know, as humans, we are attracted to drama. People get sucked into and then yep. as you know, living that, as you alluded to, living that state of constant fear, which is, yep. which is great. Yep. Yeah. Our, I mean, our brains are, they, they were developed basically to find problems or traps or harm. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not developed to, to find all of the good things in life, which is unfortunate. And when you're, when you're dealing with a brain that was developed to keep you, keep you safe and you're in a, toxic environment like a custody or divorce situation you're going to get screwed up if you're not you know what I mean if you're not very consistent and very understanding knowing how you react to things you know knowing what triggers you uh your own self-evaluation things like that that's all stuff that's important that it's so hard to 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 keep straight when you're an emotional wreck you know and and as guys uh unfortunately I think it's it's uh because we're looked at in society, uh, I'm assuming it's pretty similar in Australia as well. We're looked at as society is like we should we we shouldn't be like that. You know what I mean? We shouldn't be emotional over it. We shouldn't have the fear. We shouldn't be. You know what I mean? We should shoulder that stuff. <laughs> it's tough, man. Like I don't care what anybody says. Like it's hard. Like it's it's hard stuff. So it's my standard line. All your married mates, oh, join Tinder and God, and you're the luckiest guy in the world. I'm like, well, you know, there's, there's yeah. that side, but then there's the other stuff where you're bleeding inside. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and it's a constant, it's a constant like questioning of yourself, regardless of the reasons for your divorce. It's a constant questioning, like, did I do the right thing for my kids? You know, am I doing enough for them? Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like I'm, I'm lucky, like my, my ex and I have a, actually we have a better relationship now than we have had in a very long time. Um, but it's still, you know, I see the, I see my kids 50% of the time, but it's still, it, it took me a while to get over that. Like yeah. that's from seeing them every night to seeing them 50% of the time. There's a lot of, a lot of guilt involved in that. There's a lot of just, uh, you know, resent, resenting yourself, resenting the other party, you know, because what happens is when we have a feeling instead of like, instead of recognizing the actual cause of it, which could be us in our own fact pattern or thinking patterns, we start to try to blame people or things or events for those feelings. And that's why it's so easy to, to get into a, an all out battle in these things. Cause the first thing, the first thing you're going to do is be blaming the other side, you know? Well, yeah. a good friend of mine says there's three sides to every story. Like your side, my side and the truth somewhere. Yeah. In between, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, I remember those, those early days. Um, yeah, I was, I was a, where well, I'm a recovering, uh, you know, Mr. Nice guy from Robert Glover where I did everything for everyone else except for myself. Yep. Yep. Um, got divorced and my, my ex, my kids went back to South Africa for six weeks and I was alone for six weeks, oh. man, it was the brew, the darkest days because you know, how I defined myself was helping others. And suddenly yep. everyone, like, firstly, the house went from, you know, my, my, my ex and three kids to no one. Yeah. And secondly, all the people that I served and would run around making sure they were okay were gone. Um, yep. some dark, dark days, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, uh, that, that would be brutal. I mean, six weeks, that would be brutal. Um, you know, and I, and, and some of these guys that go, you know, 
go through it and they're only seeing their kids very, very little and they go into battle for, you know, six, eight, 12, 18, 24 months or longer. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's very, very tough and it keeps you from living and enjoying the rest of your life, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So just from, um, I mean, really what I picked up the, the program is a lot more mindset than legal based. Um, how, how does it, work from a US perspective, Canadian's perspective, um, is there a different set of family law per state? Um, is that generally how it works or is it based on the same yeah, it is. With some tweaks? It is. So I'll, I'll give you the, a, a, a breakdown of my pro, my online program and my method when I coach people is yeah. basically in, in my, my whole theory is, is that in every custody case, there are basically four things that you would need to master to make sure that you, uh, come out, um, come out successfully. And when I say successfully, I don't necessarily mean winning in court. Cause like I said, there are no winners in court. Truly. I mean, successfully by being to wake up in the morning and, you know, knowing that you're, everything's going to be all right. You're going to be able to contribute to your kids' lives. Uh, you know, um, you're going to be able to live every day like you want to, you won't maybe not have to be in court as much, but if you are in court, you're, you know, you're going to be able to ready and prepared to, to do whatever it takes while you're in court. And those four sections basically are the first one uh, is mindset, you know, because that's the, that's the key to everything is, is that's the foundation of anything in life really. So it's the mindset uh, to understand the behaviors, to understand the ego, to understand why people get into those like narcissistic tendencies and things like that. Um, the second prong is communication. So being able to communicate uh, with your ex, being able to communicate with your family and your friends uh, effectively, being able to communicate with the judge and other attorneys and things like that. So for those first two prongs, that's universal, I think, in any in any case, right? And now the second two, they're still universal, but the rules might be slightly different. So the the third one is after, communi- after mindset and communication is preparation, preparation for court you know, preparing your evidence, paying attention to what's important and what's not important, Um, ignoring the stuff you can't control, you know, gathering the evidence that you can control. Um, And then the final one is uh, persuasive presentation. So presentation into uh, when when you're in court, you know, uh, persuasive arguments, uh, ways to handle uh, other attorneys or ways to testify on the stand. And Although the laws are different in each of the states, uh, and obviously in Australia and in other countries, um, those final two, even though they're legal-based, there's enough of a generality that it is used in every state in the United States, and I've had people in different countries use it as well, just because it's based on, it's based on basically like how, like in the preparation stages of it, I teach people how, you, how I prepare as an attorney and how they can prepare even if they're represented, you know, even if you're represented by an attorney, you still should be preparing and understanding what's important and what's not, because if you can, then that's going to make it easier outside of court. You know what I mean? It's going to make, maybe there might've been a fight over something that if you realize it's insignificant for your case, then you just let it go, you know? Um, And then the presentation is the same way. It's basically, it's based on the rules of evidence, which are pretty consistent all the, all around the United States. Um, there might be some di- slight differences, but for the most part, the stuff that I'm teaching people is universal. Um, and it's just different persuasion tactics and things like that. 
So give me an example of rules of evidence. Just one thing, I mean, obviously, like, oh, she sent me a text and it says this, or, you know, there, there, yeah. there are a lot of things that people blow up about, but it obviously means nothing in the set of, is there, are there like a clear cut examples of what evidence people should just let go and then certain evidence that people should sort of, you know, what yeah. I was told is to file and, you know, create a sort of a spreadsheet of all the, all the data, all the sort of emails that come in. Uh, have yeah. you got examples of that? I, I, the rules of evidence generally, um, one of the rules of evidence that I, that I deal with is relevance, obviously. So what's actually relevant in court mm. and basically to show relevance, you, it would have to be a piece of evidence, whether it be a, a, a photograph or a, an email or whatever, it has to be a piece of evidence that would uh, tend to prove or disprove an important fact. And when we're dealing with the children, the important fact is always the best interest of the child. Yeah. Right. So, and then it, then it has to be, it can't just be quantitative. Like it has to be qualitative too. You have to be able to show how it affects the best interest of the child. Right. Maybe they're struggling in school. Maybe they're having behavioral issues, maybe as a result of this stuff, yeah. you know? Um, and, and if it's not the, the thing that people need to reach out from or watch out for with regard to your question is stuff that, they think they will be using in court, which is only really stuff that has to do with their own ego. Right. You know what I mean? Like if the other, if the ex is very controlling or if the ex is very, um, uh, just really an asshole to you via text, you know, privately. Um, if that's kind of stuff's not being done in front of the kids, unless it's like completely cutting off all lines of communication, communication which then you can prove is hindering the children yeah. and that stuff's probably not relevant in court you know and, and that's what like we have to do uh is, is to be able to separate our own egos from it not only to be able to separate our own egos but also see where the x is coming from a place of their own ego yeah and just accept it for what it is if that makes sense you know what i mean if that it, it's uh and you're not going to win every battle so fortunately there are things you just have to let go uh, like I said, if they're just, maybe they're just treating you like a shithead. If they're not doing it in front of the kids and it's not hurting the kids, then although it might suck, unfortunately, it's probably something you just need to let go, you know? And, and I mean, and the reality is that person sending you the texts as much as they, in your opinion, is an arsehole, they think you're an arsehole as well, right? So absolutely, and, and they believe yeah. they, they are 100% validated in their opinion, which yep. is difficult to get your head around, but you've got to, you, you, you've got to un, you know, understand that, 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 that person's coming from that space. Yep, absolutely. And what, what we need to remember too is, um, is basically any, any of those situations where they are being an ass like that, um, all communication basically, and this is all communication, just not in divorce. It yeah. usually, and I think this is a, uh, this is certainly isn't my line. I think it's like a Tony Robbins thing, but, it's basically the theory is that all communication comes from either a place of love or a place of pain, you know, and that's what you need to realize is when they are being an ass, it's coming from a place, place of pain, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's misdirected. Maybe you're not the only cause of that pain, but if you understand that's where it's coming from, it's easier to deal with and to not take debate and to not all of a sudden start world war three over, you know, uh, them treating you like an asshole for some, some reason. Um, so, but let's face it, like they, they know everything about us. 
You know, they know how to trigger you. They know what pisses you off. They know what makes you sad. They know what's important to you. They know what's not. Like we've shared all of our secrets with those people yep. for the most part. So they can exploit that. And you just need, unfortunately, that's just something you just have to accept, really. So, so I, I, one of the earlier podcasts that I did was actually uh, domestic violence towards men in Australia, which is pretty, pretty staunch here. Um, oh, wow. and, and that constant sort of emotional abuse and, you know, abusive text message and you this and you're that and you're that. Yeah. From an Australian perspective, you can actually lodge what they call a domestic violence order and get that person to stop that behavior. Is, is that common in the U.S. or is that, is that not really, is it just something you have to take on the chin? Uh, no, for, for as far as like an emotional uh, or verbal abuse type thing, yeah, we have uh, things out here uh, that are basically, they're called like protection from abuse. Yeah. And it has to be based on some sort of a relationship situation. So either husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, father and son, or, you know, intimate relationship, uh, familial, whatever. And then, yeah, you, you, you would go in, you'd make the allegations, you'd have the hearing and then there'd be an order, like a no contact order basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. cool. Yep. Right. So just thought we'd run through your course, um, seven modules. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah sort of run through them and maybe just sort of, you know, once again, give us an overview of, of the key things. So module one is, I mean, I've, you've alluded to it already, but winning communication skills in and out of the courtroom. Um, I'm, yeah. Do you want to touch on that briefly? I know we have, we have covered that. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'm going to bring up the landing page real quick, just so I have a guide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So for communication for the module number one in it, which is basically focused on communication. Um, it's uh so inside and outside of the courtroom, uh, basically it teaches everything from uh, c communicating with your ex, negotiating yeah. with them, yeah. uh, communicating on social media, uh, what, you know, what to do. That's, all, that's obviously a very sensitive topic for a lot of people. But, uh, you know, communicating on social media, com communicating with your family and your friends, uh, because usually we're in a situation where for one reason or another, a lot of friends usually think they have to pick sides. Like pick, pick like which team they're on, yep. which is like complete bullshit, but because it's like, it's not their life. Um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, I always, I said like, after I went through mine, I, I remember like telling a lot of my clients, coaching clients too, that if you ever want a good litmus test of who, who is a friend, just get divorced, <laughs> just get yeah, divorced yeah. and you'll find out very quickly. Uh, who actually gives a shit and who doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like for me, it was 90% of people would check in for the gossip and 10% actually cared. Yep. yep. Pretty absolutely. much where the numbers stuck in. Yep. Absolutely. I always say that, that people try to judge or control everyone else's life, but they don't have any control over their own. Um, so yeah, but that's and the communication. Then it goes in and teaches people that are uh, uh, pro se how to communicate with other attorneys. Yep you know, what, what basically how to effectively communicate with them to try to get what you want. Uh, pro se or represented parties, how to communicate with the judges. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a, a lesson in there about communicating with the judges staff and courthouse personnel. And the reason why is because uh, what I try to tell my students is that as soon as you step foot in that courtroom, or if you're on the call with someone in the courthouse or something like that, you're always being judged. You're always, you know, first impression is everything. And, uh, you know, when I was representing people in criminal cases, the one thing that I would try to do in front of the juries is I would try to humanize my defendant. 
You know, I could have a defendant that's, that's charged with the most heinous crimes, but if I'm there when I'm talking to him or her and I have my arm around them and I'm leaning into them, whispering in their ear, smiling when I talk to them, things like that. It's, it's human nature that when we're in a situation like that, like from a juror standpoint or a judge or one of the staff members, we're always looking at that stuff. Yeah. And it might even be on a subconscious level. You know what I mean? They might not be like looking at you and like taking notes, but it could, could be like a subconscious level. So it's just, that's a communication. Uh, those are communication skills. You can kind of try to in, do the little things that increase your chances. Uh, because when, when the ju- when judges go back into the, their chambers, you know, they're human beings too. You know, they're talking to their staff, they're talking to their clerk, they're talking, you know what I mean? And, and they're going to, the staff will be right in there saying, you know, Oh, Hey, Anthony, he was an asshole in there when you weren't in there, you know, he was like things like that. Um, So it breaks down all the different lines of communication. uh, And that's module number one. Brilliant. Uh, So module two, we've got understanding the hearing and the procedures in custody cases, which is, I'm assuming yep. just the, you know, the, the breakdown of what to expect from a legal yep. system. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things is that when people get involved in these cases, the emotion, the emotions are so high that any, any knowledge or understanding that you may have of the courtroom gets completely thrown out of whack because of all the emotion involved. So what I try to do is walk people through exactly what happens in court, you know, what, the point of that part of the court hearing is uh, what the judges could or should be thinking, what you should or could be doing, things like that. Um, and it's just to kind of get them involved in the courtroom aspect of it and being comfortable because comfort in, in court, comfortability and confidence is they're, they're everything. Yeah. I mean, one, one, one takeaway from my family court hearing was the, Obviously, my ex's attorney was trying to paint me as the devil, right? And 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 throughout, yep. I think in the opening statement, like ten lies, like blatant lies. Yep. And I was just sitting there, like shaking my head, getting fired up, instead of calmly jotting them down. Yeah. And then, yep. you know, I had an opportunity to say, okay, well, that's false, that's false, that's false, that's yep. false, that's false, that's false. So everything yep. in the opening statements a lie. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, I got so rattled by that person. Yep. Yeah. I think yeah, I could just take, you know, speak off the cuff and figure it all out that I wasn't, right. I wasn't in that calm mindset to stand up and be calm. And whereas, you know, I, yeah, yep. as I said, I was really, really taken back by it. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for, for someone who hasn't done it. It's so hard to stay uh, like the way that I explain it to people is, is it's okay to be an advocate. Like you should be an advocate and you should be uh, it's okay to be adversarial, Yeah, but you can't be an asshole. And if you're triggered, we can all be an asshole. And if you ever see in court, like with attorneys, attorneys will go at it so hard. And then they walk out and talk about like where they're going to go to lunch or what they're going to. And it's not because we all love each other. or We all like think we're that cool because we're not. Um, but it's because we're trained to be adversarial mm-hmm. and to argue our position and to fight for our position. However, when you're in the stink of the position, it's hard to do that. Cause it's an emo it's emotional. And for you in that case, it probably felt like an, a, a, a personal attack, a personal judgment, a personal attack. And when it's not true, it's even a hundred times worse. I mean, the first time I spoke, my, my voice was like, uh, and I was like, Oh shit, where does that come from? And it was like this yeah, croaky yeah. voice. And I was like, yeah, I don't do that. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and then that put me on the back foot even more. Absolutely. And then what happens is, uh, 
uh, me being a boxing fan, I, Mike Tyson has a quote that says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. You know, everybody has a plan, and it's true in court. And it's true, especially for people that are representing themselves or just going into court as parents. You all have a plan until you get in there and you get punched in the mouth. Then it's like, oh, God, now what? Like, now what do I do? Um, and it's the same, like, your experience with the opening statement, it's the same on with cross-examination. You know, if they're asking you something, you always feel the need to be like, like, no, that's a lie. Like, no, that's a lie. But there's a procedure to it. Like yeah. you said, keep it, keep it a note, keep it a mental note or a written note so that then you can explain yourself fully hmm. in a way that you're going to come across to the judge that is someone that is worthy of getting what you want in the case, you know? Okay. So module three, how to testify in court in a custody case, which I know you just get vaguely spoken on, but yep. I guess my key question is, the art of keeping the emotion out and being factual what I would assume. Yeah. Keeping, keeping the emotion out of it and being factual. And then there's also a sequence based on persuasion, uh, to follow. So I, I always like to say that, uh, what, what, what they hear, what they hear first, they remember best and what they hear last, they remember first. So when you're talking about your different issues and you're going through your structure of your, your uh, test, your direct testimony and your testifying, there is a sequential structure to it to make it as, as persuasive as possible uh, based on perception and the human mind and, and, yeah. every, and, yeah. and just persuasion psychology in and of itself. Um, and then I talk about for people too, not only uh, I teach them about not only their testimony, but testimony from other witnesses they might need. Like, uh, an observation witness, you know, the, the testimony of a significant other, what are the things that they should be bringing to the table, things like that. Um, and that's all basically found in that module. So uh, I know this is a very, how long is a piece of string question, but, but generally it is a custody battle, one court case, two court, I mean, I know I can carry on forever. I, I, it's a tricky yeah. one, but, but real, like realistically, yeah. how many times I, are people in your experience ending up going to court? I have put it this way. I have people in my, in my course right now and in my uh, mastermind that are going on like their ninth and 10th year. Wow. Like yeah. Like it get, it can get really crazy. I think the average time in the States is like anywhere from like a year to like six years. Serious? Yeah. Yeah. Because you figure it goes on until the child reaches the age of majority, yeah. you know, or until they're out of high school. Which is 18 or yeah. the majority yep. is at 18? Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Because here, I mean, here child support is 18, but very loosely from when a child becomes 14, they can choose where they want to live. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's different in every state here, but it's, uh, it, it is. As the child gets older, their opinion starts to matter and then matter more as they get older. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So module four, how to present physical evidence in a custody case. Yep. And I mean, I know we alluded to this as, you know, not the emotional text that you're an asshole and your new yeah. this or your new boyfriend's that. Um, yeah. It's, it's just child related, right? Is that the key? Yeah. Yeah. So basically uh, what this does is this helps people uh, if they're representing themselves or even if they're not representing themselves, what we have a tendency to do if we're not educated in the legal field or we've never been in court before we have a tendency to go in with a stack of papers or a 
mental stack of experiences and just think that you're going to regurgitate everything to the judge. And then the judge is going to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You're yeah, here you go. You won. You know, it doesn't happen like that. There's a reason I tell people why there's a reason why a judge didn't listen, hear you out or didn't listen to you or didn't take it into consideration. It's because you're doing it wrong. So in this module, I, I teach people exactly, you know, uh, to how, how to present physical evidence. So, uh, copies of emails, uh, copies of school records, medical records, photos, like anything physical uh, that you present that not just verbally, there's a, there's a way to do it. You know, uh, just simple stuff is like giving a copy to the other attorney, you know, having a copy for the judge, making sure the exhibit's marked, how you talk to the judge, how you approach the judge, um, how you show the judge that that is relevant, that that is what it is supposed that is what it is that you're saying it is, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because as you say that, I, you know, to me, the physical evidence would be, you know, everything is everyone's opinion, right? Until physical yep. evidence is provided. Yep. So it's just that extra and even layer then, on top. Yeah. And even then you could come in with a stack of copies of screenshots of text messages, but if you don't do a, if you don't do a good job of showing the judge why it's relevant, um, laying the foundation for it, which would be like setting it up so the judge knows what he or she's about to look at, and then also authenticating it so that you can show that it's actually what you're saying it is, you yeah. know, because especially in today's day and age, you can fabricate like so much stuff, you know. Um, so that module teaches people how to go through that process of being able to make sure that when you're in court, the judge is going to take a look at what you have. So, I mean, just, sorry, just when you said today's day, I mean, things must have changed dramatically for you from an evidence perspective in the last couple of years with social media, with iMessage, with, you know, back, back yep. in the days, it was, I guess, tracking phone records of what people were doing. But now there's just, yeah. there must be so much stuff out there. Oh, um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy what you can, what people put out there. Um, you know, obviously with, uh, with ads and Google hours and things like that, pe that, those people already know what your preferences are and what you're doing just by your search records and your history yeah. and everything like that. And all that data, maybe not that particular data, but everything else you're putting out there, that's always available. Um, you know, and a lot of the times it's stuff that, that you probably know you shouldn't have done. So what you do is you hide it from your attorney. So yeah. then your attorney's blindsided by it. And like that actually happened to me as an attorney one time is I was blindsided by, by uh, a Facebook uh, profile that I didn't even know my client had. And the pictures that were being presented were not good. And I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so that's all, you know, that's important stuff. I'm laughing. I tell my teenage daughter, the internet is forever. The internet is forever. It yeah. is. It is. Absolutely. What do you mean? Is. Is do not put stuff up. It'll come yep. one day. It's going to come back. Even yep. if you delete it, it's sitting somewhere on a server, man. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, module five. Uh, yep. interested in this one, how to make objections in court. And, and yes. this for me would be tricky to keep the emotion out. If yep. you take my case, an example where I believe it was all lies about me. How do you do that and stay unemotional? Yeah. So first off, you, the first thing that you need to do is in your particular jurisdiction, whether it's in the United States or in Australia or wherever, you need to know what, what the objections are because those objections all come from rules of court, mm. right? 
they're not, you know, when people hear them on TV shows and in movies and things like that, they're not just stuff that attorneys are like pulling out of their butts. Like it's, they're real laws and rules. So in that section, I talk about uh, the timing of them. You know, when, when do you, when do you object? You know, if someone asks a question that's calling for hearsay, mm-hmm. um, you know, asking, you know, Hey, uh, did you see so-and-so uh, at the baseball game? Yes. And what did he say? That's object. That would be the time when you would object to for hearsay, you know, objection to question calls for hearsay. So it breaks down the timing of it, uh, what you say, how to argue your point on it, because again, it gets back to the being adversarial, but not being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it works through all of the different uh, types of objections and when to make them and how to make them uh, to best serve you. And then also what it does is once you have an understanding of that, it helps you uh, be more prepared when you're on the stand and when you hear this stuff going on that you know exactly what's going on. Oh, that, okay, that's why they said that. that yeah. This is what I do now. I just be quiet and wait for the judge to make the decision or, you know what I mean? Um, and then, and all of that, when you know all of that and you have the conf, it's not only gives you confidence, but again, it gets back to that like impression that the judge has of you as a human being. You know, if you're calmly sitting there and knowing what's going on, then you're going to be in a better position to get what you want uh, when you're in court. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. I mean, cause once again, coming back to me, I was like deer in the headlights. Didn't know what was going to happen. Didn't know. Yeah. Like, now everyone's standing up. Why am I standing up? No one's leaving. Like you just have no idea. Yep. Yep. Which is, which is crazy. In, from, from an, I was just something when you said, when I was thinking about objection, physical evidence, like I always say to, especially my kids, you know, like a, a text and an email is received in the notes, in the tone that you read it, not that it was sent. hundred percent. So a, lo- a lot of information, a lot of emails, you know, you could get from your ex or any, and you could blow up. But meanwhile, it was just a, an email. Um, yep. Do, yep. do you, do you obviously advise people of, of trying to take the emotion on, you know, maybe some of your clients want to object something that was just a, well, I'll get the kids off to soccer, which was, yep. you know, good enough. you know, you could have taken that and just blown off the handle for no reason. Yep. Um, yep. Is that something that you, you deal with often with your clients when they're objecting? With, uh, with, uh, fr- from, uh, from a courtroom standpoint mm-hmm. or outside of courtroom? No, just, I mean, just the whole objection preparation where someone could, take that email and say, I object to that statement or this evidence. Meanwhile, it was. Yeah. Well, first off, what I, what I do in in dealing with that situation is I, I, I tell my clients, uh, basically a rule that I have, it's called, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty unoriginal name to the rule, but it's a wait, the wait an hour rule. So basically anytime you get an email, voicemail, text message, anything that is not related to the well-being and health of the child, like the immediate well-being and health of the child, then, turn your phone off or you shut your laptop off. You go and you go for a walk. You go do some jujitsu. You go have a glass of wine. You go for a hike. You do whatever for an hour until you're in the right frame of mind to respond. Because when you're, anytime you're emotional or angry in these cases, you're never going to get what you want. You just, you you won't. You just, you just won't. Not only that, but you're doing more inner damage to yourself that you'll eventually then have to heal from or, or repair. Um, and then in court, that helps people that if they understand that, it helps them not get into that argument um, to have more material than to present into court. You know, well, here's this email. Well, yeah, well, here's how you responded. Like, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and then it turns into being a completely insignificant fact for the judge 
because it's like it's like if a parent hears two kids arguing and comes into a room and hears the two kids, oh, well, he did this, well, she did that, well, she did this. Like, what are you going to do? You're eventually going to just like, all right, you know what? You go over there, you go over there. Like, you go, like yeah. so and it's the same. In, it's really the same in court, not to try to make light of it, but really from a human human perspective, yeah. that's really what it, what it becomes. So to avoid that situation, you wait an hour, you don't add fuel to the fire. Um, and then, and then as far as the objections go and actually presenting the stuff in court, we need to basically desensitize ourselves from that little minuscule stuff. Like yeah. that little argument stuff that they might try to pin on you in court. We got to just learn to just take it. If it's not going to have an effect on the best interest of the child um, or your custody time, like if it's just like a pissing contest, like you got to just let it go. Like yeah. you, you just do, you got to just sw- take your lumps and, and look at what's productive and what you can control. And, and really that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of the guys I coach are just said it in with it's, it's, it's in the nicest way. I'm saying this is a blessing. And they go, why? I said, well, you don't have to deal with that person anymore. You yeah. Know, this person's being so irrational and dealing with this stuff. And once you through this journey, it's not yep. your problem anymore. Yep. And, yep. and, and it's amazing the human that want to get back and yeah, and then like blow up and go, go all yeah. I'm like, that's good, but that's not your problem anymore. Yep. And Absolutely. You a new, a new life and new slate. Just, just let it go. As you said. You yep. Know, just, just yep. That's what I think what it is. I think there's a disconnect for people. And the way that I, the way that I phrase it with my clients is I call it a caring detachment because there's a disconnect that people think that to you can care about somebody and not care for them. Does that make sense that you don't have to care for them? So you can care about your ex. Like she's the mother of your children. Like, you know, she's kind of important. Like she's the freaking mom of your children or the dad, if you're a female, but you don't have to care for them, you know? And I think what happens is I think that caring detachment forces people to think that, because you're in a divorce situation or separation custody battle that you can't have it both ways and that you automatically have to hate the person. You know what I mean? You have to basically, you almost sometimes talk yourself into hating that person to reinforce that the decision or the result with the divorce is what's right. So then you're trying to coach yourself into hating them and all it does is add fuel to the fire. You don't have to hate them and you can care about them, but you don't have to care care for them anymore it's not your like you said it's not your life anymore it's not your job anymore you don't you don't need to do that you know and her parents and her grandparents and aunts and uncles like they don't have to be nice to you like they just you know like they just don't like like you say you're you're you got a you got a whole different life now like you gotta come to grips with it (laughs) i mean the hate's the validation right because as humans we don't want to be wrong you know for whatever reason and if you you know, we, we all believe it's not our fault. Um, yep. and, and I think that's where a lot of the early stuff comes in is that you, you, you're just trying to say that, well, I'm the good person. I'm the better person. Yep. I did this for my kids. You didn't blah, blah, blah. But I think that yep. the key thing and to me, the, you know, what I try and for, for my, my clients is that you cannot hold on to that hate and that shit, mm-hmm. man, because I keep carrying about toxicity in the body. But if, if you, you know, if, if you've got that knot in your stomach that every time you see, you know, her car or someone who's got a car like hers, it's going to put you in a spin, which is going to ruin your day, which is going to ruin time with your kids. It's that spiral, yep. right? You just got to let that shit go and say, well, yep. that was a phase in my life for relationships and whether they're personal business, you know, 
things come to an end sometimes. Yep. Um, and, Amen. And, and if you don't, then you, then you, I mean, I, another story I always tell, I grew up in a big sporting background and, and in, in sort of the back in South Africa, there were these traditional country clubs and especially at my rugby club and the golf club, there was always a couple of guys who sat at the corner of the bar. Yeah. Got divorced 15 years before and they sat at the same bar every night and they were pissed off with life and they would, you know, they, they got dealt that card and, and that's just the persona that they chose. And I remember when I got divorced, I, I, for whatever reason, thought back and I said, I don't want to be those guys. You know, yep. this, this happened to me for sure, but that's, I don't want to become that and sit in this pattern of, yes. of, yep. of you know, the victim and poor me. Yep. Absolutely. And I think the, I think one of the problems that people run into is what you and I just talked about. If they, if they take our advice and they try that, they expect it to be an immediate fix and it's not, it's an evolution just like everything else. Like I, I actually equate it to, um, physical fitness, to financial health, to career stability and career goals and everything like that. It's the same with your relationship with your ex, your custody situation. If you start doing the right, just because you do the right thing one day, uh, it's not going to fix it right off the bat. It's it, just because you go into the gym and do bicep curls, you're not going to have huge, huge biceps. Yeah. It's a consistent thing that you have to do and keep those blinders on to, to what your goal is, which is a, a non-toxic life for your kids and just keep going because yeah. eventually they're not going to have anybody to fight with, you know, not that, not that you need to like give away the farm and every argument or like get, be pushed around or anything like that. But the bickering and the, uh, things like that, it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be like that. Yeah. But people think that if they try what you and I just talked about, that it should be fixed right away. And then when it's not, they think, well, see, that they're, you know, they're beyond help. This, my situation's different than everybody else's. I'm beyond help. No, it's not. It's just that it's going to take time. Like it it's, just is. I, you know, I think it's Tony Robbins as well. We talk about the 1% rule about the two ships leaving leaving port yeah and you know one percent yeah you can't see them but after a year they're vastly different yep um you know and and, you know the physical fitness thing there's just you know the guy who's got a six-pack and he's jacked sure there's genetics but that's you know that's every single day of meticulously eating and you know it's it's the small micro gains every day that lead to where you want to go absolutely you what overnight like uh apple wasn't built it's just you know yeah. yeah. Okay. So module six um, is the, uh, presenting the rules of evidence uh, for your case. Uh, uh, yeah. Let me get to it here. So basically what this module does is it looks at the different rules of evidence, uh, including objections that are relevant to custody cases, which then helps people prepare uh, their evidence. You know, so if they have a bunch of evidence and they need to know what's important, what's not important, what's going to be led into court, what's not going to be led into court, they need to be familiar with those different rules of uh, court. So yeah. that module breaks it down for them, what to look for, uh, and then that way they can know not only what's important for court, but what's important for your energy and your focus and things like that. Yeah. And then the final module is the one I love is how to beat the hearsay objection. Um Yep. Which, which is, you know, I think I alluded to my situation where a whole heap of stuff gets put out there based on zero physical evidence. Yeah. Uh, 
just some strategies how to stay calm and how to how to combat those. Yep. Yeah. So with uh, how to beat the hearsay objection, it's uh, in the United States. It's very uh, specific. Uh, the definition of hearsay is basically any out of court statement. Uh, that's being offered for the truth of the matter asserted. So basically what this teaches people is how to recognize that. So that if you're representing yourself, you can object to it and keep it out of court. Um, How to, if you're trying to get something like that in, how to, how to argue to the judge, why it should come in, why it's not hearsay, why it's important and relevant and credible. Um, And that module breaks all of that down with the hearsay objection so that people can be more comfortable not only in court but also in preparing for court, uh, and it's it's a it's a good it's a very good uh, section, especially uh, if people are representing themselves. It's like it's needed because it's you know if you go in there you don't understand what you're doing you're gonna you're gonna get chewed up like you just will. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So just in terms of how people, just to close up the loop on the course, how do, how do people access it? Is it, a, you know, is it obviously online? Is it available? Do you go through launch windows or is it just, or how does that all Yeah, work? so you, you can, um, you can uh, and then what happens is too, is whenever people sign up for the course, they get all of those seven modules, but then they also get uh, my mastermind module, which I include is, is, is a bonus. Yeah. Um, and I don't have that in as one of the modules themselves because it's actually kind of the foundation for everything, the, the mindset. Uh, so that's included. It's the unshakable mindset uh, for custody cases. And then what else I do is I do a uh, live monthly training with all of my members uh, for no charge once, once they purchase the course where I'll go on and do a screen share and we go do through Zoom just like this. Yeah. And I'll go through and teach a whole new different topic that's relevant that, that they pick. Um, and then they have an opportunity to verbally ask me questions so that I can explain it to them and things like that. Um, so that's another prong of it. Uh, the other one is a community on Facebook. Uh, it's my mastermind community. It's a private community of all the students of the course. So they're all educated, stu- they're all educated parents. Uh, it's really a drama free, you know, type group because they're all in there to just get yeah. results and not worry about anything else. Um, they share perspectives, they share experiences. Sometimes there's people from different uh, states or different countries that can like kind of communicate with each other. Um, and then another, another uh, section that I have is basically a specialized training package. It talks about like parental alienation, counseling, uh, guardian ad litem, like all of those different scenarios. Um, and if, if people want to join it, it's at uh, www.morecustodytime.com backslash let's go. That's, um, that's the, the page where people can see what, what's all included in the course, uh, what the value of it is, what the, the pricing structure is, uh, the testimonials, um, things like that. And then I also do a free training uh, that people can sign up for at uh, www.morecustodytime.com backslash webinars. Okay. Nice. Webinars, plural. Uh, and that's a free training that just walks through, uh, Three, three things that are very important with regard to custody cases. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much how it goes. And obviously, you know, with your, with your, your practice being the, the judge and I'm running this busy man and flying between uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh and Arizona from what I figure. Um, do you do one-on-one coaching, you know, for the, the people yeah. that are willing to, to sort of expend the extra dollars to get direct access yeah. to you? I do. Yeah, I do uh, divorce and custody coaching. So, 
uh, it's divorce either for non-parents or for parents. Um, and then if, if it's just a custody situation, if it's just a boyfriend, girlfriend, or maybe, yeah. uh, you know, mistaken pregnancy or like whatever, um, I do for custody, custody cases as well. So in my email address is Anthony at Anthony uh, and that's how people can get a hold of me for that. Brilliant. I'll put it all up in the show notes. So I something I want to touch with uh, before we start uh, wrapping things up here is, is what yeah. I refer to as the rise of the narcissist in modern society. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is becoming, I think, a, a key word, but a misused word as well. Um, yep. Very, I mean, probably 50 to 60, probably even actually, I'm a numbers guy, I should know this, but close to 60 to 70% now that I think of the guys I deal with are dealing with narcissistic exes. Yep. Um, impossible to, impossible is the wrong word, but really, really difficult to go up against from an argument perspective because they are never, ever wrong. Um, yeah. Have you have you picked up the rise of a narcissistic person, and what are your what are your advice from a custody perspective to just to just to uh, what's the right word just to contest that because a lot of the guys are so gobsmacked by the yeah. allegations and yeah. cannot believe like I've given this person all of this and this is how they treat me um, yep. that they get really taken back by that. Any any thoughts on how you're seeing that on your side, um, and and just some advice for the guys going through that. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so with regard to narcissists, the way that I usually explain it, and it's kind of how you refer to it too, is, is I, I do say it more of like narcissistic tendencies, uh, instead of like the actual, like, uh, uh, diagnoses. And for one of the reasons is because I'm not a, I'm not a professional psychologist or psychiatrist or anything like that. But the, the other reason why I do that is, is because, we all have those tendencies. It's just that they're brought out in different situations. I mean, we're human beings. We do what we try. We try to do what we can do to get what we want. Like that's just in our nature. Um, and if, if we, if, if we look at it as a diagnosis or as a label, um, instead of saying it's just tendencies then what we do is we cripple ourselves from a perspective of being able to, to deal with it because being able to change it, um, and we cripple the other person from being able to change it because if it's a label that they have or diagnoses that they have, then they take ownership of it. They can't get rid of it. You know, you can't help them get rid of it. You can't avoid it. Um, but I have a, a, I go through a breakdown. I have actually, if your listeners go to the more custody time webpage, there's a resources link on there, um, that has a bunch of different of my free YouTube videos. And one of the videos I, I had a conversation with my mastermind group and I go right, I dive right into the narcissistic tendencies and how to deal with them and how to overcome them, uh, in court. And then in my, in my, uh, course, I have a, uh, like, a, I think it's probably like a 20 some minute video breaking everything down, but basically what it comes down to, like how your listeners can deal with that. It, it's, uh, there is a process that you have to go through and it comes down to basically two keys. And the first key is an unshakable mindset. So you have to, your mindset, you can't be triggered by things that they do and say emotionally. Mm. Um, And then the second, the second key is, is uh, emotional detachment. So you have to look at as factual and you have to be doing, you have to be focusing on the only thing that you can control, which is your behavior and your communication. You can't control how they're going to communicate to you, right? but you can't control how you can react, how you react to it. 
And if your mind's in the right place, as far as an unshakable mindset, and if you're, you have emotional detachment um, of, of basically how to be the observer instead of just being engulfed by the flames and the fire of the situation, then it's easier to deal with it. Because what happens is, and if you've dealt with it or any of your listeners deal with it, when people think of narcissistic people or narcissistic tendencies or whatever, sometimes people think that that just means that they're aggressive and controlling and everything. But in reality, what it is, is they will go back and forth from that aggressive nature and controlling nature to once that stops working, they'll be the victim. You know, they'll be the victim and they'll fire at you. You know, I can't believe you. I can't believe you could do this. I can't believe you're doing this to me. Um, if they're controlling and you snap at them, it's why are you getting so angry? You know, why, what is wrong with you? Why are you so angry? Why are you always wanting to fight? Blame, you know what I mean? Turning it around and blaming it on you. Who have you become? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, who are you? You're not the person that I married. You're not. And, and it's a cycle that they'll go through and they'll, they'll bounce through that. But here's what happened. Here's what happens. If you have the right mindset and you can detach yourself emotionally from it, eventually it's going to drive that person freaking crazy. Yeah. Like it, it, it is. Because if they're going cycling through all that and creating all that chaos and you're not biting on any of it and you're just, you have your blinders on and you're doing what you need to be doing for your kids and for, for you, for your health and sometimes for their health too. And they're not getting a rise out of you and they're not getting the effect that they want eventually they're going to drive themselves freaking nuts and then eventually it's going to fizzle out. And, and the problem is, is like we talked about the gym thing that doesn't happen overnight. No. And emotional detachment, like we talked about from the very beginning, when you're dealing with an ex lover and your kids, that's hard. Yeah. Like that's, that's nearly impossible. Uh, but it is possible. And that's, that's what it comes down to is focusing on the stuff you can't control and what you need to be doing and not worry about what they're doing. You yeah. know, not worry about how they're talking to you, not taking it personally, not letting your ego take the wheel. Um, and it's, po it's possible. And I've seen people do it and I've seen people that work through it, you know, and come back to me and say like, Hey, remember how I told you that like, that's not going to work and that would never work. I've been doing it now for a while and it freaking works. Like it works. Cause eventually like everything's a tug of war. And if you don't pick up the rope, there's no, there's no war. There's no battle. Um, but again, that doesn't mean you need to like give up and be submissive and sacrifice everything. It just means you need to keep your shit straight and keep your blinders on and keep doing what you need to be doing. And don't worry about getting the credit. You know, don't worry about competing with her. Uh, don't worry about wanting to look like the better parent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like none of that stuff matters. Like that, that, that stuff doesn't matter. If you're doing what you need to be doing and you do that over the long haul, the chips are going to fall where, where you want them to. And but I mean, as, as you said, if, if you're in that detached mindset, you're going to be the good parent anyway, right? Because yep. you're going to be present with your kids and not pissed off and angry the whole time. Yep. Absolutely. What we all Absolutely. Yeah. And it's tough and it's easier said than done, but, <laughs> but I know, I mean, that's a big reason why things got so good with, with, um, with my, with my ex 
and, and it's not just her, it's me too. Cause I'm a human being too. You know, I like say shit I shouldn't say. And I like act when you're upset and you're emotional, like it just happens. Yep. But once you learn to curb all that, that's when like the magic starts happening and you're like, you, you, you kind of start to realize what's important and what's not. And 90% of it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yep. Brilliant. So um, let's start wrapping things up, Anthony. Um, your cool. top three pearls of wisdom, just short and sharp for anyone, guys and girls looking to, well, not looking to, but entering into a custody battle. Well, you know, what would those three little pearls of wisdom that you can drop them with besides get yep. hold of your course. Yeah. The first thing is, is focus on, focus on the future of your children. And I say the future because when you're in a custody battle, it's very easy to want to make them comfortable so that they want to be with you so that they will testify favorably for you. And we have to balance providing and preparing, providing for and preparing our kids. Yeah. So number one would be focus on the future of your kids. What's going to be best for them for the future? A lot of times that's at adversity. Adversity is fine. You know, a lot like split homes are fine. That's adversity. As human beings, we have to overcome adversity. We just have to. It's not the last thing that's going to happen to them that's going to be adverse, right? So that would be one. Focus on the future of your kids and, and focus on that only. Uh, number two would be only worry about what you can control. You know, you can't control how they act. You're never going to be able to control how. You can't control what goes on in her home. I mean, obviously, if there's abuse or something, that's different. Um, but focus on what you can't control. And um, number, number two, number three would be uh, don't, uh, don't compete. Don't compete with them as a parent. Yeah. You know, just don't do it. Don't worry about getting credit. Uh, worry about, worry about the kids and it'll, everything else will fall into place. Uh, excuse me, laughter there, but my, my, my kids in the early days are like, um, dad, can I get them like a, you know, an ice cream or something? So I said, yeah, you can get like a $1 McDonald's one. Yeah. They're like, well, at mom's house we get, you know, like, <laughs> yes, I'm exactly. Like, I'm exactly. Because like, well, they're clever as well, right? I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. You can get that next week, but today we're going to get a 99 cents one. They're like, oh, yep. shit. But they, they, yep. they know the system as well, man. Absolutely. And that's like, like I said earlier about people being, when we're human beings, we do what we have to do to try to get what we want. Kids do it right, right out of the gate. Like, that's, that's just it. That's just how they do it. So, yep. <laughs> They're a lot sneakier than, than, than we think, man. Yep, absolutely. So any, uh, any future plans for the program? Are you, you know, just obviously looking to promote it a lot more? And anything exciting on the cards that you've got coming up that you want to talk about? Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing, I'm setting up, uh, I have this uh, custody program broken down. I'm also uh, going to be uh, developing, it's in the works right now, a program for non-parents going through divorce. Um, and then also, although right now my, my course can be used worldwide, uh, I am, um, making one that's better for international, international people so that it can be on a international level. Um, not so much focus on the intricacies of, uh, the United States courtrooms. Um, although, although I think a lot of it can be used right now anyway, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm coming up with a program that's better for international uh, people to use. So brilliant. Yeah. But I mean, you know, from what, from what you've said today, it's that mindset stuff and preparation, it's, 
it's going to, you know, it's going to translate everywhere. Yeah. 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 And it does. And I I think the way that it's formatted right now, it does too. I just think, and maybe it's just me holding myself to a different, to being accountable. Um, I just think there's a different level that I can take it to for people. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, Thanks so much again for coming on the podcast. It's been super informative. Um, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We will put all the connections and all the links in the show notes. So it's morecustodytime.com, anthonybompiano.com as well. Yep. Facebook, yep. Insta, we'll link it all up in the show notes so people can get hold cool. of you. Yeah, let me know. And then that way I can blast it out to all of uh, all my people too and put it in my uh, my groups too. And before I forget, I, do, I have a free group on Facebook too. It's a More right. Custody Time community. Uh, right now at the time of recording this, I think there's like 3,400 people in there or something like that. So Brilliant. people can feel free to join that too. So we'll put that link up in the show notes as well. Cool. Anthony, thank you so much. Uh, have a wonderful day in Arizona. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Cheers. Th- thanks for having me. Take care. Take care.